There we go, mic check. Looks like I'm good on Spotify. I'm recording this. Uh, family on YouTube, good evening. Shake my hand. I promise you guys, it's just this week that I have to do these things at night, okay? Because my mornings are a little bit crazy, right? But from next week, we have to go back to just by the time you wake up, I've already read the chapter for the day so that you can start the day with this type of information, right? So if it's affecting you, I do apologize for filming these uh, recordings, you know, late at night. But I'm doing my best to also, uh, you know, try and fit all the stuff in with, with, with the other things that I have going on. Right, so let's, let's start anyways. Welcome to today's uh, um, um, episode. One chapter a day, every day, Saturday, Sunday, Friday is all included because how much you feed your mind is directly linked to where and how far you can go. We are technically in season two, book two, and today we're looking at episode four of season two, but in, in its entirety, really episode 16 of the podcast, right? And it's chapter four that we're looking at today in this beautiful book, The Richest Man in Babylon, uh, Babylon, um, you know, you know, potato, potato. Uh, 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 but essentially, you know, yesterday we started to get into like some serious hectic stuff where he's actually now talking about, you know, how do you cure a lean purse? How do you cure how do you stop being broke? What's the path? If someone was to tell you a plan, a plan of how not to be broke anymore, uh, I mean, it'll be, it'll be the yesterday's podcast. Definitely check out uh, episode 15, season 2 of the podcast on Spotify uh, or chapter 3 right here on YouTube of this particular thing because he really creates a beautiful roadmap, one that I literally... You know, to the best of my ability, even though I've made many mistakes along the way, I've made a ton of mistakes with money along the way. I've, I've been one of those people who know this stuff but didn't even properly apply it, you know, at, at some point in time in my life. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm bad, but these seven cures have been a guiding principle. First for my old man, who just turned 60 this December, and then also for me, you know, pretty much half my, my, my father's age. Right, so, so, so just a quick recap, there are seven cures to a lean pest, uh, seven cures to being broke, seven cures to help you out of the situation that you're in. Number one, start thy purse to fatten, and that's the 10% rule, 10% of whatever income you get. And, and, I, and I have to say, this has to be ridiculously, religiously applied. If a friend gives you 100 rands, 10, 100 US dollars, 10% of that, Find a way to make that money yours. And, and when we say yours here, when we're talking about pay yourself first, we're thinking about the fact that whatever income you get, 9 out of 10 times, goes out to bills, goes out to expenditure items, even though they are absolutely important and necessary and they are must-haves. And if you don't buy this, you will die. You need electricity, food, and water. All of that we get. But all of that is also part of the rat race that keeps you where you are. So the first 10% of every single type of income you receive must be paid out first to you, to you being your future, right? Invest in it. The second cure was control thy expenditure. Budget thy expenses thou out mayest have coins to pay for thy necessities. Pay for thy enjoyments and gratify thy worthwhile desires without spending more than the nine-tenths of thy earnings. Because we're following this thing methodological, must be very clear. We have to be clear what he's doing. He is saying the most important thing in your life is to honor the 10% rule. 
before landlords, before rent, before medical aid bills, you know, and we can debate about this all we want. My job is to simply read these really good books and talk to points where they've had an impact in my life in the hopes to inspire and impact your life. Whether you believe or don't believe, that's part of your personal journey. But I'm saying uh, George Clarkson is very serious because he already paid the 10% first before anything else. Everything else in your life now must fit within the 90% of the income left. Right? So control that expenditure. If it doesn't fit to a point where you need that 10% first to pay for the expenses, cure two is cut down on your current lifestyle. It's as simple as that. You know, control the expenditure. Make sure that your entire budget of what you want to spend only needs 90% of your income because 10% is going to your future. Cure number three, make thy gold multiply. Put each coin to laboring uh, that it may produce its kind, even as the flocks of the field help bring thee income. A stream of wealth that will flow constantly to thy purse. So basically get that money working, crypto, NFPs, effects bonds real estate uh basically practically the game of monopoly rich debt poor debt stuff silver gold palladium platinum uranium um growth tech stocks um vanguard stocks uh i mean i could go on and on i mean there's literally uh there's a system in south africa at least at least south africa and i'm sure it's, it's across the world where you can invest in in cattle or, or sheep and you do zero manual labor i mean I, 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 because i'm in financial markets right some things that would impress people don't impress me because of the expected gains right the, 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 I, I control my rate of investment basically if you're a trader you know i know if i put a hundred dollars today i can get three hundred dollars in the next two days three days three weeks i control that right but there's other some other investment vehicles where you don't control that but there is a good expected outcome and, and, and if, if those people are interested i'll have to find it'll take them forever to find it but i remember you could literally buy a baby sheep for a certain price and after a year that baby sheep will be this speak because of supply and demand in the eastern cape where i'm based when they sell those sheep they pay you back profits simple it's like old school investment it's clear cut you can buy a little cow they'll charge you this much at the beginning they feed that cow with your investments basically you, you the, the cow grows the cow goes to a market you get xy on it there is there isn't a shortage there is not a shortage of ways to make your gold multiply I always tell people one day I'll start a stock, a crypto stock vault, but I don't want to start a crypto stock vault because it just gets dramatic and then people use your name and they scam people. But I'm happy to give the idea out. And guess what? You can do it by yourself. It's called dollar cost averaging. I dollar cost average into all my investments every month. I have no choice. I am bound to that. Dollar cost averaging is stock value. You know, stock value, for those of you who are not in South Africa, is something that's prominently done by, you know, African women where they pull together every month. They put funds together. And then after the end of the year, they buy groceries for everyone in the group. Or if what 10 
I'll put a thousand, you put a thousand, you put a thousand, and this month is your month to get all the money for yourself. I did that with a group of friends in undergrad, actually. It was going so well. Um, um, the difference between me and my friends was when it was my turn to get paid, we were six. So we put 2,000, 2,000, 2,000 rands each every month. And every month, someone would get, you know, 12,000 rands. And then I need to make sure I put my 2,000 for the next person. The only difference is because it was undergrad, you know, 2010, 11, 12, uh, when I got into in my honors, in 2014 or something and my mind was awake to crypto my 12k went to crypto simple i just fast tracked it i don't know what they did with this right and i don't remember being brave enough to actually say you know do it you know put it here i i spoke roughly around it but i wasn't anyways long story short there are multiple ways to get thy gold to multiply choose what works for you and do it cure number four guard thy treasures from loss consult with wise men secure the advice of those experienced in trading and profitably handing your gold uh, let their wisdom protect thy treasure from unsafe investments it's quite simple there's no such thing as a quick get rich scheme that can be sustained right you will, you, you, will, you will lose your funds there is also no such thing as an unmethodological thought process towards investing right unless if you are lucky and patient so seek out good information all right so that you don't make silly decisions with your money number five make uh, make of thy dwelling a profitable investment we spoke about this the author you know is pushing that you get out of the rat race pushing that you forget about the four-week deadline get your own home own your own property your own property doesn't have to be a nine-bedroom house uh -uh. your own property can be that one bedroom flat which you know is yours which one day will become another source of income but more importantly you are now comfortable where you are number one number two the money that you could be paying rent right now you might as well just be paying it towards a loan you kind of say that at some point that you might as well just pay to a lender at least after full payments are made you own it right i'm not into the whole banking system the own loan system i think it's a, the biggest scam you know within capitalism but those are my opinions but the point is however you go about it own thy home or strive for it make that one of your goals to, to, to become a, a, you know you know you know completely free out of this but you're going to, have to do it smart don't do it and get yourself into indebtedness and then lose your capital investments and lose the home right i'm not here to dish out financial advice i am here to read these books word for word you know with you cure number six from yesterday uh, ensure a future income provide in advance the needs of their growing age and protection of their family think about where you're going i operate in the now for where i need to be in the future right so uh, do you have an investment plan do you have a you know a provident plan which i'm not a big fan of but i own one and i got one for my partner and i got a life insurance policy and whatever you know and there's like these stupid debit orders which i know have less trained investors or traders like myself who make type of gains and give me peanuts i know about that but it's just wiser to have something but most of my money is never locked up in those funds right i literally once again when you become proficient in financial markets you control the rate of investments the rate of return of investments right your, your roi is fundamentally based on you so so that might be something you want to master right how do i get the best return of my money but long story short think about your retirement 
environment and protection for their family. Uh, and we can talk about the, the, the baby steps to becoming your, to, to your first million, right? Baby steps number one, you can't do most of this stuff if you're still in debt. Debt is a big cancer. Debt starts off in stage one. By the time you blink twice, you're on stage four cancer and you're in financial ruin. The first thing first, get rid of any and every single debt. Debt was the worst thing that plagued my life for the longest of time. Good debt, bad debt, it's all terrible debt, right? Student loans, no student loans. Home loans, no home loans. I'm, 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 I'm owning people money. Get out of debt. As soon as you get out of debt, or while you're trying to get out of debt, you need to have uh, basically a three to four month savings plan. So you need to save for that. That's your emergency fund. What are you gonna do if all hell breaks loose? If COVID came about and you're unprepared, and you didn't have an emergency fund and the whole country shut down. How do you survive? How much time do you need to become innovative? Right, so this is baby step number three. Get out of debt, uh, savings plan. And then number three, you move into the next phase, right? Where you can start to really talk about maximizing your investments. We'll talk about this stuff later on down the line when we get to the right book. Because I don't want it to be me talking or my advice. I really want this to also come from you know, from, 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 from these particular authors. Then finally, number seven, the seventh cure, the ability to earn, uh, to cultivate their own powers, to study and become wiser, to be more skillful, to act as to respect thyself. Cure number seven is increase thy ability to earn through bettering your skill set that creates that income, right? You want to be as efficient as possible. You know, the, 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 whether it's true or not, you only get paid for what you're worth most of the time. In capitalism, we know it's not true because you're completely exploited, but from a market perspective, you only get paid what you are worth, all right? So, so, so these are the seven cures that we looked at yesterday. Um, and I'd love to just jump into chapter four now and just spend some time, you know, you know, soaking into, into today's reading. Right. So the title of chapter four is Meet the Goddess of Good Luck. Just a kind reminder. The book is written in Old English and it's been a beautiful long day, but I feel very much awake. Um, and actually have a lot of work to do after the podcast. So, so I will be as efficient as possible, but you'll forgive the hiccups and the bumps along the road. Right, so it's the, it starts off with a little quotation, you know. Chapter 4 starts off with a little quotation right there at the top. So I'm going to read that first. Right, if a man be lucky, there is no foretelling the possible extent of his good fortune. Pitch him into the Euphrates and like as not, he will swim out with a pearl in his hand. So basically, if luck is on your side, nothing can stop you. The Euphrates were big enemies of Babylon. So even if you throw him amongst his enemies, he will come out with a pearl in his hand. And it's a Babylon proverb. There we go. The desire to be lucky is universal. It's just a strong, you know, no. Sorry, it's just as strong in the breasts of men for 4,000 years ago in ancient Babylon as it is in the hearts of men today. We all hope to be favored by the whimsical goddess of luck. Is there some way we can meet her and attract not only a favorable attention, but a generous favors? Is there any way to attract good luck? That is just what the men of the ancient Babylon wished to know. It is exactly what they decided to find out. 
They were shrewd men and keen thinkers. That explains why their city became the richest and most powerful of their time. In that distance past, they had no schools or colleges. Nevertheless, they had a center of learning and a very practical one it was. Among the towered buildings in Babylon, uh, uh, um, or Babylon, you know, tomato, tomato, was one that ranked in the importance uh, uh, with the palace of the king. The hanging gardens and the temples of the gods. You will find sanct men, uh, uh, you'll find you know a sanct mention of it in the history book. More likely, no mention at all. Yet it exerted a powerful influence upon the thought of that time. This building was a temple of learning, where the wisdom of the past was expounded by voluntary teachers, and where subjects of popular interest were discussed in open forums. Within its walls, all men met as equals. The humblest of slaves could contribute with impunity the opinions of a prince of the royal house. Among the many who frequent the temple of Lenin was a wise man named Arkad. Arkad is also the wealthiest wise man in the book, right? So it's interesting, right? Called the richest man in Babylon. He had his own special hall where almost any evening a large group of men, some old, some very young, mostly middle-aged men, gathered to discuss and argue interesting subjects. Suppose we listen to see whether they knew how to attract good luck. The sun had just set like, excuse me, like a great red ball of fire shining through the haze. Of the, uh, of the desert dust where Arkad strolled into uh, to his accustomed platform. Already full four score men were awaiting his arrival, reclining on their small rugs spread upon the floor. More were still arriving. What shall we discuss this night? Arkad, you know, Arkad inquired. After a brief hesitation, uh, you know, to, to a tall cloth weaver addressed him, arising as was the custom. I have a subject I would like to hear discussed, yet hesitate to offer, lest it seem ridiculous to you, Arkad, and my good friends here. Upon being urged to offer it both by Arkad and by the calls of the others, he continued, This day I have been lucky, for I have found a purse in which there are pieces of gold. To continue to be lucky is my great desire. Feeling that all men share with me this desire, I do suggest we debate how to attract good luck that we may discover ways it can be enticed to one. A most interesting subject that had been offered, Arkad commented, one most worthy of our discussion to some good men, good luck bespeaks by a chance happening that like an accident may befall one without purpose or reason. Others do believe that an instigator of all good fortune is our most, you know, phenomenous uh, goddess, Ashat. I, I don't know, I'm just reading the names. Ever anxious to reward with generous gifts those who please her. Speak up, my friends, what say you? Shall we seek to find if there they be means of which good luck may be enticed to visit each and all of us? Yeah, yeah, and much of it responded the growing group of eager listeners. Thereupon, Arkad continued, to start our discussion, let us first hear from those amongst who have enjoyed experiences similar to that of the cloth weaver in finding or receiving without effort upon their part valuable treasures or jewels. There was a pause in which all looked about expecting someone to reply, but no one did. 
what no, what no one could ask, then a ray indeed must be this kind of good luck. Who now will offer a suggestion as to where we shall continue our search? That I will do, spoke a well-robed young man arising. When a man speaketh of luck, it is not natural that his thoughts turn to the gaming tables. Is it not there where, 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 we, where we find many men courting the favor of the goddess in hope she will bless them with the rich winnings? As he resumed his seat, a voice called, Do not stop, continue thy story. Tell us, didst thou find favor with the goddess at the gaming tables? So probably like gambling. Did she turn the cubes with the red side up, thou filled thy purse at the dealer's expense, or did she permit the blue side to come up so the dealer ranked in thy hand, uh, thy hard-end pieces of silver? The young man joined uh, the, the, the good-natured laughter, then replied, I am not averse to admitting. She seemed not to know I was even there. But how about the rest of you? Have you found a waiting about such places to roll the cubes in your favor? We are eager to hear as well as to learn. A wise start broke to in Arkad. We meet here to consider all sides of each question. To ignore the gaming table would be to overlook an instinct common to most men. The love of taking a chance with a small amount of silver in the hope of winning much gold. This simply sounds like trading, right? Now, the, that don't remind me of the races about yesterday called out another listener. If the goddess frequents the gaming tables, certainly she must she, she does not overlook the races where the gilded chariots and the foaming horses offer far more excitement. Tell us honestly, Arkad, did she whisper to you to place your bet upon those grey horses from from naive yesterday? Our steady just behind thee and could could scarce believe my ears when I heard thee place thy bet upon the grace. Thou knowest as well as any of us that no team in all of Assyria can beat our beloved base in a fair race. Does the goddess whisper in thy ear to bet upon the grace? Because at the last turn the inside black would stumble and so interfere with our base that the grace would win the race and score an unearned victory. So Arkad bet on horses and the horses won so he made money. Arkad smiled indulgently at the banter. What reason have we feel the goddess, the good goddess would take that much interest in any man's bet upon a horse race? To me, she is the goddess of love and dignity, whose pleasure is to aid those who are in need and to reward those who are deserving. I love to find her not at the gaming tables or the races where men lose more gold than they win, but in other places where the doings of the men are more worthwhile and more worthy of reward. In tilling the soil, in honest trading, in all of men's occupations, there is opportunity to make a profit upon his efforts and his transactions. Perhaps not all the time will he be rewarded because sometimes his judgment may be faulty and other times the winds and the weather may defeat his efforts. Yet if he persists, he may usually expect to realize his profit. This is so because the chances of profit are always in his favor. But when a man plays games, the situation is reversed. 
for the chances of profit are always against him and always in favor of the gamekeeper. The game is so arranged that it will always favor the keeper. It is his business at which he plans to make a liberal profit for himself from the coins bet by the players. Few players realize how certain are the gamekeeper's profits and how uncertain their own chances win. So it's just that concept of the house always wins. Even in casinos, the casino house will always win. You can win here, win there, win there. But at the end of the night, the most profitable gambler every night for the rest of our lives will always be the casino, the house. In financial markets, the same is true. Banks always win. Big institutions always win. If you don't know why the markets move according to them and you assume that you are going to be able to pick out a few, take property and become a millionaire without mastering the pattern of the keeper, the owner of the market, right? you're in big trouble because all it is is you will just keep going there to donate money so th that's all he's saying right so and i've lost my place in the book right there we go for example let us consider wages placed upon the cube the, like a dice each time it is cast we bet in which side will be the uppermost if it be the red side, the game master pays us four times our bet. But if any other of the five sides come, uh, you know, the uttermost, we lose our bet. Thus, five figures show that each cast we have five chances to lose. But because the red pays four for one, we have four chances to win. In a night's play, the game master can expect to keep his profit one-fifth of all the coins wagered. Can a man expect to win more than occasionally against the odds so arranged that he should lose one-fifth of his bets, right? So there's a lot of old English in there, but maybe just a quick example to explain what's going on here. And I do apologize if you're not a trader uh, because, you know, most of my relatable examples come from trading, but it, it works anyways. Like those of you who are going to come to my trading psychology course, by the way, which is specifically for all types of traders. It doesn't matter your trading strategy, but if you're going to come for my trading psychology course, we're going to have to start with this idea. I've got my one of my wallets here, actually. Uh, you know, if you're on Spotify, I've just got a coin in my hand right now. So I've got a coin. It's um, five rand, five South African rands coin. And we all know that coins have heads or tails, right? It's a simple phenomenon, heads or tails. Nothing changes, nothing much. And, and trading is very much like this, heads or tails all the time. Buy or sell, heads or tails. Now, there, there is an infinite sequence of patterns to how this coin can fall if I keep tossing it in the air. Right. If it fall, if I toss the coin ten times in the air, it might land ten times as heads, ten times as tails, five times as heads, five times as tails, six times as heads, six times as tails. There is a continuous, there's an infinite combination. Right, because my winning, my correct guessing between heads or tails is up to the goddess of luck, basically. Right, because I can't predict where the coin is going to flip. That's why coin tossing is the fairest thing to do, because you can't manipulate the coin in the air to land on heads or tails. In trading, what we then do to, to, to safeguard us, to safeguard us, like so, so it's going to be weird when, when, when you actually realize the power and the impact and correctly understanding smart money trading psychology is. When you trade, you, you, you fundamentally, at least with our strategy, understand that, look, markets are not random. We know where price is going. But we don't always know which trade is going to make us the most money. 
that's why we want to trade in clusters to monitor it right because we could be right about market direction but we are not right or correct about the intermediate everyday market manipulations uh, a new virus breakout a president getting assassinated russia all of a sudden trying to you know threaten world war uh, you know you know you know the, the everyday random things in life that affect us so we don't know that so what we do as traders just so uh, as a quick summary we do something called risk reward ratio if i flip this coin 10 times and it evens out that 10 five times fall on heads and five times fall on tails and i choose heads and i have a 50 50 chance for me to become profitable in trading is every time i trade i go with the higher risk reward ratio because out of the five losses i take when i win five times at a risk ratio of one is to three i then have a chance of making up what i've lost so that's what that weird paragraph we just read was saying and I suspect I didn't come out as clear as I wanted to be, but I'll cover this properly in trading psychology. But he asks the question, can a man expect more occasionally against odds so arranged that he should lose one-fifth of all his bet? Right. Yet some men do win large sums at times, volunteered one of the listeners. Quite so they do, Arkad continued. Realizing this, the question comes to me whether money secured in such ways brings permanent value to those who are thus lucky. Among my acquaintances are many of the successful men of Babylon, yet among them I am unable to name a single one who started his success from such a source, just, just purely being lucky. You who are gathered here tonight know many of our substantial citizens. To me, it would be much interest to learn how many of our successful citizens can credit the gaming tables with their start to success, like gambling and stuff. Suppose each of you tell of those who you know what you say. After a prolonged silence, a wag ventured, was that, was that inquiry include the gamekeepers? If you think of one of no one if you think of no one else Arkad responded if not one of you can think of anyone else then how about yourselves how they, are there any consistent winners with us who hesitate to advise such a source for their incomes his challenge was un, was answered by a series of groans from the rear taken up and spread amid much laughter it would seem we are not seeking good luck in such places as the good, as the goddess frequency continued. Therefore, let us explore other fields. We may not, we have not found it in picking up lost wallets, picking up lost wallets. Neither have we found it in hunting the gaming tables. As to the races, I must confess I have lost far more coins than I have ever won. Now suppose we consider our trades and businesses. It is not natural if we conclude a profitable transaction to consider it not good luck but just a reward of our efforts. I am inclined to think we may be overlooking the gifts of the goddess. Perhaps she really does assist us when we do not appreciate her generosity. Who can suggest further discussion? Therefore, an elderly merchant arose, you know, smoothing his gentle white robe uh, with the permission, with thy permission, most honorable Alcott and friends, I offer a suggestion. If, as you have said, we take credit to our own industry and ability 
uh, for our business success, why can we not consider the successes we almost enjoyed but which escaped us happening which would have been profitable? They would have, there would have been a rare examples of good luck if they had actually happened. Because they were not brought to fulfillment, we cannot consider them as our just rewards. Surely, many men have such experiences to, 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 to relate. Here is a wise approach Akkad approved. Who among you have had good luck within your grasp only to see it escape? Many hands raised upon them, that of the merchant. Akkad motioned him to speak. As you suggest this approach, we should like to hear first from you. I will gladly relate a tale, he resumed. That dot illustrate how closely unto a man good luck may approach and how blindly he may permit it to escape much of his loss and regret. Many years ago, when I was a young man, just married and well situated to earning, my father did come one day and urge most strongly that I, I enter upon an investment. The son of one of his good friends had taken notice of the parentage of land not far beyond the outlier walls and cities. If they lay above the central with no water could reach it. The sons of my father, you know, father's friend, devised a plan to purchase this land, build three large warehouses that could be operated by oxygen, and therefore raise life-giving weight or waters to the fertile soil. The accomplished, he planned to advise to divide into small tracts and sell to the residents of the city of such herbs. The son of my father's friend did not possess enough, did not possess sufficient gold to complete with each undertaking, like myself. He was a young man earning a fair sum. His father, like mine, was a man of large family and small means. He therefore decided to interest a group of men to enter an enterprise with them. The group was to compromise 12, each of whom was must be a money earner and a degree one-tenth of his, you know, and agreed to pay one-tenth of his uh, earnings into the enterprise. While the land was made ready for sale, all would then be shared justly in the profits in proportion to thou investments. Thou, my son, bespoke my father unto me, art now is thy young manhood. It is, it, it, is made deep, it is my deep desire that thou begin the building of a valuable estate for thyself that, that thou hast become respected among men. I desire to see thou profit from a knowledge of, of the thoughtfulness, thoughtfulness mistakes of their, of their father. This I do result, um, this I do, I dearly desire my father, I replied. Then do this advice. Do what I should have done at thy age. Provide thy earnings. Keep out one-tenth to put into a fable investment. The 10% rule. Okay? With this one-tenth of the earnings and what it will also earn, thou canst before thou art my, my, 
my age accumulate for thyself a valuable estate thy words are words of wisdom my father greatly do I desire riches yet there are many uses to which my earnings are called so I've got lots of expenses therefore do I hesitate to do as thou advise I am young there is plenty of time there is not plenty of time there is not you I, I think I started five years late what what helped me was I was extremely aggressive and I still am today but I started five years late even though I was wrong most of the time I, I truly believe if you because you can work this stuff out like you can honestly uh, work out your 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 your, your basic uh, you know, you know, you know, you know, you, you can map out how much you'd need in the next five to ten years, right? You've got kids, you calculate your school fees, private fees, if, you, if you're renting, how much you're going to rent, if you're going to buy, how much you're going to buy. You can work out your basic income and you can tell how much you need to save up and invest for, for, for what type of a life you can live, right? So, so, so I, I always tell people, you are never young. Most of the time, you are already late. So I thought at thy age, yet behold, many years have passed and I have not yet made the beginning. We live in a different age, my father. I shall avoid thy mistakes. Opportunity stands before thee, my son. It is offering a chance that may lead to wealth. I beg of thee, do not delay. Go upon the morrow to the son of my friend and bargain with him to pay 10% of thy earnings into his investments. Go promptly upon the morrow. Opportunity waits for no man. Today is here, soon it is gone. Therefore, delay not. In spite of the advice of my father, I did hesitate. There were beautiful new robes just brought by the tradesmen from the east. The robes of such riches and my beautiful uh, and my beauty, uh, my good wife and I felt we each possesses one. Should I agree to pay one tenth of my earnings into the enterprise, we must deprive ourselves of these and other pleasures we daily desired. I delayed making a decision until it was too late. Much to my subsequent regret, the enterprise did prove to be more profitable than any man had prophesied. This is my tale, showing how I did permit the good luck to escape. It is the tale we, we, we see how good luck awaits to come to that man who expects opportunity. Commented, uh, you know, sweet the man of of the desert. So I'll read that again. In this tale, we see how good luck awaits to come that man who accepts opportunity, commented uh, uh, Sway, the man of the desert. To the building of an estate, there must always be the beginning. That start may have a few pieces of gold or silver, which a man, right, which a man diverts from his earnings. To his first investment, I myself am the owner of my herds. The start of my herds I begin when I was a mere boy and did the purchase uh, with, with, with one piece of silver, a young calf. This being the beginning of my wealth was of great importance to me. Take his first start to building an estate is, a, is as good luck as you can come to any man. With all men, that first step when changes uh, sorry guys 
To take his first start to build in an estate is as good luck as can come to any man. With all men, that first step which changes them from men who earn from their own labor to men who draw dividends from their earnings of the gold is important. Some fortunately take it when they're young and hereby outstrip the financial success to those who take it to later or those unfortunate men like the father of this merchant who never who would never take it basically hold right if you invested in those financial market vehicles the best trick is to hold 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 as you accumulate in value had our friend the merchant taken his step in 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 his early manhood when when this opportunity came to him this day he would be blessed and much more of the world's goods should the good luck of our friend the cloth weaver because him to take such a step at a time it will indeed be but the beginning of much greater fortune thank you I, I like to speak also. A stranger from another country arose. I am Syrian. Not as well do I speak your language. I wish to call his friend, the merchant, a name. Uh, a name. Maybe you think it's not polite, this name. Yet I wish to call him that. But alas, I know for I know your word for it. If I do call it in Syrian, you will not understand. Therefore. Please, some good gentleman, tell me what the right name you call a man who puts off those things that might, you know, be good for him. A procrastinator called a voice. That's him, shouted the Syrian, waving his hands excitedly. He accepts not opportunity when she comes. He, he waits. Uh, he, he waits. He says, I have much business right now. Bye-bye. I'll talk to you opportunity she will not wait for such a slow fellow right she thinks if a man desires to be lucky he will step quickly quickly any man who not any man who not step quick when opportunity comes he big procrastinator it sounds like i'm reading in chinese you know he big but it's that literally how it's written he big procrastinator like our friend you know uh, you know his merchant the merchant arose and bowed, you know, good naturally in response to the laughter. My admiration to these stranger within our gates who hesitates not to, not to speak the truth. And now let us hear the, another tale of opportunity. Who has for us another experience demanded our card? I have responded, uh, you know, I've responded a red-robbed man of a village age. I'm, I'm a buyer of animals, mostly camels and horses. Sometimes I do also buy the sheep and goats. Then I, I, I tell, I'm about to re relate, will tell truthfully how opportunity can come one night when I did least expect it. Perhaps for this reason, I, I did let it escape for this shall be the judge returning you know to the city one evening after a disheartening eight days journey in the search of camels i was much angered to find the gates of the city bay closed and locked while many slaves spread out our tent for the night which he looked to spend with little food and no water 
I was approached by an elderly man who liked ourselves, found himself locked outside. On it, he addressed me. From thy appearance, I do judge thee to be a buyer. If this is to be so, much more would I like to sell to thee the most excellent flock of sheep just driven out. Alas, my wife, good lies, every sick with the fever. I must return with all haste, but thou, my sheep, that I may, sorry, I must return with all, with all haste, by thou sheep, that I'm, I and my slaves may amount our camels and travel back without delay. So it dark was that I could not see his flock, but from the bleating I did know it must be large. Having wasted ten days searching for camels, I could not find. I was glad to bargain with him. In his anxiety, he did set a most reasonable price. I accepted, well knowing my slaves would drive the flock through the city gates in the morning and sell a substantial profit. The bargaining concluded with all my slaves to bring torches that we ought to count the flock, which the farmer dedicated, you know, declared to contain 900. I shall not burden you, my friends, with the description of our of, of, of our different difficulty in attempting to count so many sheep. Okay, so many sheep. I'm just trying to see if this will make sense. No, it won't make sense. Very difficult to count. Right, so so I shall not burden you, my friends, or the description of our lives in the attempting to count for so many, you know, thirst, thirsty, whatever, restless milling sheep. It proved to be impossible task. Therefore, I bluntly informed the farmer I would count them at daylight and then pay him. Please, most honorable sir, he pleaded, pay me but two-thirds of the price tonight, and I may be on my way. I will leave my most intelligent and educated slave to assist to make the count in the morning. He is trustworthy, and to him thou canst pay the balance. But I was stubborn and refused to make payment plan that night. Uh, next morning, before I awoke, the city gates opened and the four buyers rushed, you know, out in in search of flocks. They were most eager and willing to pay attention. Prices caught the city with, uh, you know, as threatened with the with, with the siege, and food was not plentiful. Nearly three times the price at what we can offer the flock to to me did did the old farmer receive for it. Thus was rare good luck at all allowed. Sorry, thus was rare good luck allowed to escape. Here's a tale most unusual, commented Arkad. What wisdom does it suggest? The wisdom of making payment immediately when we are convinced our bargain is wise, suggested a very a, a venerable saddle maker. If the bargain be good, then thou dost you need protection against thy own weakness as as much as against any other man. We mortals are changeable. Alas, I must say, more apt change our minds when right than wrong. Wrong, we are stubborn indeed. Right, we are prone to 
facilitate and let opportunity escape. My first judgment is my best, yet always I found it difficult to compel myself to proceed with a good bargain when made. Therefore, as a protection against my own weakness, I do make a prompt deposit thereon. This doth save me from latter regrets for the good luck that should have been mine. Thank you again. I like to speak. The Syrian is back now. The Syrian was upon his feet once more. These tales, the stories are much alike. Each time opportunity fly away for the same reason. Okay, so now, finally guys, it's starting to get important. So, so, so those of you who are writing notes or highlighting or retaining, because uh, 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 I, I, I remember this chapter, right? So the tales are much alike. Each time opportunity fly away for the same reason. Each time she come to procrastinator. Each time she come to procrastinator, bringing good good plan. Each time they hesitate, not say right now. Best time I do it quick. All right, so how can men succeed that way? And this is how the Syrian is written as talking. So I know it sounds very choppy. You know, it's not correct English, but it's old English. And this guy's Syrian is not in Babylon. So they're trying to give him, I guess, a choppy accent personality. But my point is, he says, look, man, every time opportunity flies away, it flies away from the same reasons. Reason number one, it seems to when opportunity arrives, it's someone who loves to procrastinate. It's gone. Bring in a plan. Right. Each time they hesitate, not say, right now, you know, best time, uh, then I do it quick. How can a man succeed that way? So that was his full quotation. Why is that these words, my friend? Responded the buyer. Good luck fled from procrastination in both these tales. Yet it is not unusual. The spirit of procrastination is within all men. It's a spirit. <laughs> it's a spirit. We desire riches, yet how often we we desire riches, yet how often when opportunity doth before us, the spirit of procrastination from within doth urge various delays or acceptance. In listening to it, we do become our own worst enemies. You know, um, um, I, I was talking to myself in the public telegram group. I run a public telegram group or, you know, or, you know and, and I was just, you know, my team has harassed me since last year, October. And they've been quite consistent because it takes a while to break my mind. So I, I believe in the power of one for 365. I believe if I show up in the podcast and I get one person to consistently listen, one person, I'll change their lives. I, fundamentally, I believe that. So there's never, you know, massive marketing behind my stuff. There isn't marketing around my academy. I don't have a marketing department, a marketing team. We haven't used sponsored Facebook ads in months. We don't. We believe in the power of one. And what the power of one does is it's micro-focus, right? So if I can really focus on whoever wants to be focused on, and they allow me to work the, the, the process, like so, so just spend the time asking and learning, repeat asking and learning, repeat asking and learning. The power of one allows me to impact seven people most of the time. It is, it, it, it is, it is slow-paced growth. It is disastrous growth. Let's say if, if, if I survived on the academy, I would be hungry, starving, bitter, and angry, and I wouldn't do half the things I do because I would not be able to sustain myself and my family. 
Now, I'm bringing this up because he's, he's, he's saying, look man, we desire riches, yet how often when opportunity doth appear before us, that spirit of procrastination from with doth urge various delays in our acceptance. In listening to it, we do become our worst enemies. I'm literally running the last, and I think people think it's a sound clip or a sound bite and it's never going to happen, but I'm only doing one discount. Because I've done the data. Last year, my course was on discount, left, right, and center. Father's Day, Father's Day discount, Mother's Day discount, Black Friday discount. Discount because you exist. Discount for YouTube subscribers. Yeah, and I didn't mind that because I want to make a decision based on data. And I can tell you now, multiple discounts don't really change people. People come. Our academy has grown by word of mouth and is fundamentally grown by students already inside. Students already inside have the, 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 that's, okay, fine, he's real. Okay, markets actually work this way. You need to contact 365. And then, that's how we've grown. I cannot, and I'm always so grateful, number one, to people who do that, who are our, our advocates, and I truly, truly appreciate you. But I'm simply saying, right now as we speak, there's a big discount on a course that cost me about 52,000 US dollars in total to compile and is going for a measly $200 or something weird like that. And still, there are people sitting by the sidelines. They want to jump in, but they're scared. They're scared to or they just won't. And, and, and this happens every day in life. The job opportunity comes by and you're not so sure, so you don't put in the, the, the application. And at the end of this chapter, there's gonna be a very important quotation about how opportunity is a haughty goddess. So it's already happened, it's gonna come somewhere in the book. But the quote from this book is, opportunity is a haughty goddess and she only comes to those who are prepared. Being prepared is, is, is a state of being that you need to be at all the time. I just wanna quickly link this to the previous book. The, 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 the science of getting rich requires several things and one of the principles that we found out towards the end of the book was the principle of the advancing man someone who's perpetually pushing forward who is with what they have I mean the science of getting rich went so old school and brought up the parable of the talents in the Bible that whatever you have in your hand you must try and push it forward to continuously perpetual increase so that when the divine opportunity when the divine opportunity so happens to come through for you you are at the right place at the right time all right so so, so it's a very very important thing as I continue with the book, in my younger days, I did not know it, but this long word, my friend from Syria doth enjoy. I did think at first it was my own poor judgment that did cause me loss of my profitable trades. Later, I did credit it to my stubborn disposition. At last, I did recognize it for what it was, a habit of needless delaying where action was required, action prompted and decisive. When we get into uh, uh, Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill, uh, master, master of Riches, the book I'm reading by myself, also Napoleon Hill, 16 Laws of Success, Napoleon Hill. He's got a quote that he repeats in all his books. Successful people make decisions fast and change them slowly. I had to learn that because I, generally speaking, 
I'm slow in a lot of things. I, I, I'm never in a rush. At the moment, three, three years ago, when I finally mastered that I'm not here to compete with mentors and senseis and gurus, and actually I can just take my time. I can take my time to build my course to what I want it to be. I can work on me. So I worked on me, right? I, I almost started teaching and I was like, nah, let me take another two years off and work on me to build the quality in me that's important for you. Remember the seven cures of a lean purse. Cure number seven, the ability to earn is linked to how you cultivate thy own powers to study and become wiser and become more skillful so as to act as to respect thyself. That's a very, very important thing. And my my weakness in life was I, I used to make and in some aspects of my life, I still do, but I, I used to have a, a procrastinative spirit and I would mistake it for patience. I would mistake it for some version, some demented version of humility until I started to really sink through Napoleon Hill. Successful people make decisions fast and change them slowly. I'll change them slowly. I'll rather move 10 times and realize I'm wrong and come back and start again, then move up again. But I know I am 10 times better than being in a state of paralysis of not doing anything. Right? So that's what the Syrian man is saying. like, look, man, I've realized men, most of the time, first I thought it was me. I was just terrible at, at, at my business, at trading, whatever it is, at selling stuff. Then later, I thought it was my incredible stubborn disposition. You refuse. You refuse to learn about NFPs. You refuse to learn about crypto. You you're just, you're just stubborn. And then at least later on, I, I, I realized that it was a habit of needless delaying where action was required. Action prompt and decisive. How I did hate it when it is true, character stood revealed. With the bitterness of a wild ass hitched to a chariot, I did break loose from this enemy of my success. Right. Thank you. I'd like to ask a question from Mr. Merchant, the Syrian was speaking. You wear fine robes, not like those of poor men. You speak like successful men. Tell us, do you listen now when procrastination whispers in your ear? Like our friend the buyer, I also had to recognize and conquer procrastination, responded the merchant. To me, it proved to be an enemy ever watching. Procrastination proved to be an enemy ever watching and waiting for doubt for, for to, to thought my, my to thought my accomplishments the tale i did relate is but one of many similar instances i could tell to show how to how it drove away my opportunities it is not difficult to conquer once understood once understood it is not difficult to conquer once understood no man willingly permits the thief to rob his bins of grain nor does any man willingly permit an enemy to drive away his customers and rob him of his profits. When, when once I did recognize that such acts of these, my enemy was committing with you know, determination, I conquered him. So must every man master his own spirit of procrastination before he can share in the riches of Babylon. What sayest Akkad? Because thou art the richest man in Babylon, many do proclaim thee to be the luckiest. Dost does agree with me that no man can arrive at a full measure of success until he had completely crushed the spirit of procrastination within him? There are people, yeah, let's keep reading. 
It is even as thou sayest, Akkad admitted, during my long life I watched generation following generation marching forward along the avenues of trade, science, and learning that led to success in life. Opportunities came to all these men. Some grasped, we're in the last page of the chapter, some grasped theirs and moved steadily to the gratification of their deepest desire. But the majority hesitated, faltered, and fell behind. Akka turned to the cloth weaver. Thou dost suggest that we debate good luck. Let us hear what thou now thinks upon the subject. I do see good luck in different light. I thought it was, I thought of it as something most desirable that might happen to a man without effort upon his part. Now I do realize much happenings are not the sort of thing no matter no one may attract to himself. From our, from our discussion have I learned that to attract good luck to oneself, it is necessary to take advantage of opportunities. Therefore, in the future, I shall endeavor to make the best of such opportunities that come to me. Thou hast well grasped the truth brought forth in our discussion, Akkad replied. Good luck we do find often follows opportunity, but seldom comes otherwise. Our merchant friend who would have found great good luck had he accepted the opportunity the goddess did present to him, our friend the buyer likewise would have enjoyed good luck had he com completed the purchase of the flock and sold at such a handsome profit. We did pursue their discussion to find a means by which good luck could be enticed to us. I feel that we have found the way. Both the tales did illustrate how good luck you know, follows opportunity. Wherein lies the truth that many similar tales of good luck won or lost could not change. The truth is this, good luck can be enticed by accepting opportunity. Those eager to grasp opportunities of their betterment to attract the interest of the good goddess she is ever anxious to aid those who please her. Men of action please her best. Action will lead thee forward to the success of thou, thou desire. Men of action are favored by the goddess of good luck. And that's the end of the chapter, guys. And I really think just to keep this short and sweet, the things we need to act upon are not that difficult. So far, we have seven cures. We literally, at the end of this chapter, know from yesterday, we have seven cures with a lean press. Those are the first things you need to get started on. If you haven't gotten started on from the key things from the first book, you must by now have a clear, clear goal in mind for the year. You must have a clear goal in mind for your life. You must have your affirmations written down and your steps to get there. You must have a gratitude book because the law of polarity requires you to instantly remain grateful so as to maintain a harmonious relationship with the thinking substance that is linked to everything. You must then moving forward as you start to build on your wealth, start the seven process, seven step process, right? 10% rule, control thy expenditure, make thy gold multiply, guard thy treasures from loss. And I explained all of this stuff at the beginning of today's episode. Uh, make thy dwelling a profitable investment. 
ensure a future income and number seven increase the ability to earn so we've got stuff to do and what all he said in this chapter which was quite long winded and not the most exciting chapter but very much got a good point was it's quite simple get busy right don't wait for one year for me to go through 24 books by the end of this year and you, you get busy with what you have you have enough to go by it's almost the end of the month if you if you're one of those people rely on a payday cycle you have to learn to start paying yourself first it's the only way out and sometimes the right gold multiplying investment that you're going to choose could buy you out of your current life within a year. When I say buy you out, the time, the financial freedom, all those things. But you have to start now. 365, I appreciate you. You know, I'm just here to read books and discuss them. I thoroughly enjoy this. Tomorrow, we're finally going to be looking at the five laws of gold. Which, if I recall, when I read this book, were absolutely interesting. Right, right. Until then, I'll see you guys tomorrow, every single day, a chapter a day. Feed the brain, feed your life. Shake my hand if you're watching on YouTube. Shake my hand if you're listening to on Spotify or Anchor. Um, and catch you guys in the next episode. Cheers.